Everton, welcome to another... The official podcast of The Leaky Cauldron. The Leaky Cauldron. The Leaky Cauldron. Do you hear that, Ern? The Leaky Cauldron. Just go. You're wasting time. Welcome to Pottercast, your number one source for news, theories, discussion and interviews with people from the Potter books and films. I know a small amount myself having written the books. My name is J.K. Rowling. I am now happy to introduce your hosts, Melissa, John and Sue. Welcome everybody to Pottercast 149. We have a huge full house for you tonight, today, whatever time of day you're listening to the show. I'm Hello. Melissa, I'm here with Yay. John and Sue and the Fraxter and Samantha Friedman. Huggy, huggy, what, what? Oh, do you know all the right. words? To uh, yeah. Do you know all the the words to hug? I do. In? You do. Ha- pathetically, we can we can sound them on cue. Last night, I'm in Boston here for the We Are Wizards screening, mm-hmm. um, and Sam and John and BK and I went to the opening screening, and we then went bowling afterwards. And of course, the bowling song was on everybody's mind. Three hundred. So yes. So yes. 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 Wow. Anyway, anyway, Pottercast is here to stay. Let's, Let's hear from our sponsor. Hear from our friends. This podcast is brought to you by Audible.com, the Internet's leading provider of spoken word entertainment. Get a free audiobook download of your choice when you sign up today. Log on to audiblepodcast.com slash pottercast today for details. All right, Sue, what's happening in the Harry Potter world news this week? Okay, I have a date for you guys. November 19th, 2010. Is what's that what? <laughs> 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 it is. What's the wizard word for is it the day I buy Leaky? Well, no, it's actually the, the date that's been confirmed now what? by Warner Brothers that the you Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Yay. Part One is that what they're calling it? Part One and Part Two. What about Part Two? Sweet. Yeah. I want to know if Harry's going to wear a yellow jumpsuit and carry a samurai sword. Samurai. Oh my gosh, you know. that's so exciting! But, I mean, it's nice that we finally got. I mean, we got. You know, we waited so long. Like it was just a month ago, and you know, and all of a sudden, boom. Okay, by the way, yeah. It's you know be that means no- another two-year break. We haven't had a two-year break since between movies. That makes me right. so pleased. True. Very true. Mm-hmm. Yes, it does. Mm-hmm. And why is that, John? Because we have something going we on. We do in have something we? crazy we exciting happening in two thousand nine. Muchka is going to France. She is. <laughs> she is. She's so fabulous. She is hitchhiking. Wearing a little beret. She is hitchhiking to France. Hello, Muchka. Frack, can you can you draw that for me? Oh, Muchka wearing a little beret. I'm from the Eiffel Tower. No, Muchka doesn't smoke. She's not old. She does it in France. I know, but I see French smoke. people and I see cigarettes and. Little she cafes. Smoke, she flames. Okay, what else is happening, Susan? Um, there's actually, and this is something I'm, I'm actually very excited about. Um, Warner Brothers actually announced the same day that they announced about the movie is that they're starting this very cool thing called Harry Potter the Exhibition, which is they're going to take all those beautiful props and cotton little things that you've seen from the movies, oh, and they're taking them on a worldwide tour. I knew this would happen. That's actually, I haven't heard of that. I'm going to hit that up. Yeah, it's very cool. Um, it's going to start in, in 2009 in the spring, and it, like in a major market. They didn't say which yet. And it's supposed to, at this point, just go to 10 cities but they I, yeah. or more is how they... We'll see like, how successful it is, out, of course. And, you know, but <laughs> John, guess what? They're, they're touring. Hagrid's hut. No. <laughs> which one? Is it gonna change? Yeah, so it really is mobile. Is it going to change sizes at every stop? <laughs> it is. <laughs> is there 10 different variations of it? They're going to rebuild it everywhere. <laughs> I mean... I just want a hot tub in just one city. 
I've always been saying by movie seven part two that there will be a jacuzzi tub at Haggard's Hut. Could you imagine yeah. the filters on that thing? How much hair would be caught in that thing? Oh, John. That would just be brutal. All right, Sue, Sue, can we please move on? It's in your power. Move on. <laughs> you know, I mean, for those, and, and I just, uh, this is a nostalgic moment, because this is the first time I met Mr. Frank, was when we went to the WB tour yeah. out in Los Angeles. Right. And it's really neat. And if you've been to that, I think this is going to be a lot more than that, but it's well, still very sure. fabulous. So if you get a chance, and we'll update you when we actually know more. I know people are like, oh, can I buy tickets and stuff? But we just, they don't have that out yet, so. Yeah. It's very cool. Yeah. Um, also, let's see what else is new. Um, EA has uh, formally announced that they're going to be coming out with a Harry Potter and the Hapla Prince game this fall when um, Hapla Prince movie is out in, on November 21st, 2008. Although there's no, like, they didn't say the, the game is coming out the same day, but that the game is coming. So I'm excited. Be a wildly successful follow-up um, of yeah. War of the Phoenix. Yeah. The game was sweet. I mean, though I could not, for the life of me, get the stupid uh, Expelliarmus. Or no, it was um, one spell that was counterclockwise with the, with the controller. I could not do it. it drove me nuts. Uh-huh. I think my controller did, was. Did broke. you ever? Did you ever win the game? Uh, I have to be honest <laughs> here. Whoops. No, I have not had a chance to to beat this game because I am not very good, apparently. At uh, being a wizard <laughs> on a video game console, I alas, Aww. it's uh, depressing. Aww. No, they need to. <laughs> hmm. I think it w- Frack wants them to do like like more like Chamber of Chat thing. Yeah, where it's yeah, where it's like that, where it's visual representations of characters, no, like World of Warcraft, but Harry Potter. Yeah, so. right. Harry Could Potter. you imagine Harry Potter World of Warcraft? Holy crap! Oh, I would awesome. fly around his headwig all day, just hassle people. <laughs> <laughs> you totally take, would. You really take would. Take dumps on people's heads. John. That would be like peeves. Yeah. Peeves would be fun. Yeah. What else fun. is up, Sue? Um, there. <laughs> um, there's going to be a new documentary coming this fall on ABC. 2020 is doing. Um, like you know, they had the year in the life of Joe. Now they're doing their own version for here in the United States. So that'll be kind of interesting. Um, I don't know. <laughs> you know. I was hoping we'd get to see the other one, you know. I wanted to see the other one here in the United States, but I guess the ABC version will be fine. I don't know. Yeah, it'll be good, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, Also, we got to say congratulations to Miss Emma Watson, who has turned 18. And yay, happy birthday to Emma. Happy birthday. And she's got a new part in a new movie called Napoleon and Betsy. Really? Cool. Yeah, I think it is. It's period drama, right? It is. It sounds great. It does sound great. Who is that? Is that like, like a girl's movie? Napoleon? The little, little dictator. <laughs> yes, thank you, Frank. <laughs> the dictator guy? Yeah. You ever hear of him? I think that, I mean, all that we else, besides there was, you know, like a zillion things about the trial, and I think, you know. Yeah, Kristen is no? keeping everybody updated, so there's a there's an image on Linky you can click if you want to keep updated on the trial. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, that's, there's more of that in this episode, so let's talk about other things. Okay. Yes. Cool. So what's happening in the show? We got a canning conundrums, yeah, and we have a mailbag with all your trial questions, or a tiny, tiny bit of all your trial questions. Yes. Um, and then I think that's it because it went so long. Yeah. Um, we were gonna try to have an interview with the uh, directors of We Are Wizards. Um, Ooh, cool. We may have that as of yet. <laughs> Maybe next week. <laughs> but uh, yeah. we'll see. Is it a Scrooby? Yeah, we're out here in the Boston seeing all that. We are in Salem. Boston? right now. Salem? 
That's Same right. Day. That's the other That's awesome. That's where the American witch, witchcraft used to go. Yeah. Oh, everywhere. Right. There's witches in witch stores. <laughs> well, there were witch trials. Witch dun- dungeons. Didn't she say that the... school. They have a lot to make up for. Yeah. The Salem Witches Institute. The Sweet. Down the street, there's actually a huge statue of uh, the uh, bewitched Sabrina. witch. Samantha. That's Samantha, Sab- <laughs> not Sabrina. Sabrina, Melissa, Never Joan Hart. Samantha with Sabrina. Gross. <laughs> Samantha is superior to all. Okay, let's move on. Let's go do the county conundrums and then the stuff and then the Scooby Five and then we'll see you in the drums. Greetings, Potter fans. This is Quietish from Leaky Crafts. The Crafty Witches would like to invite you to join us for the Leaky Cauldron's first ever craft along. Throughout the month of May, we'll be leading our craft-minded members in crafting and personalizing their own wands. The party starts May 1st in the Harry Potter Crafts Forum on the Leaky Lounge. Check out the crafts page on leakynews.com for further info and your supplies list. And now it's time for Canon Conundrums. Listen in as our panel tries to figure out one specific issue from the Harry Potter canon. Who could possibly figure that out? It is time again for Canon Conundrums. Canon Conundrums. Joining us for Canon Conundrums this week are classic Leaky staff, one of the originals. Old school. Old school. Not to call him old, but his name is <laughs> B to the K Lounge. BK DeLong. <laughs> BK Yay! Lounge. He, Hi, BK. He is here. <laughs> Yay. And uh, you may remember her. Um, Wonderfully insightful contributions to last week's show. Her name is Flat, Flat, Flatbread Sammy. Three statements. You what can up? see her at Quiznos for two ninety nine. He just called you Flatbread. Mm. You gonna take that, John? She takes the it lovingly. I can say about you right now. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. But, and we will say about you on the drums. Okay, let's let's keep it on topic. Let's go. I love you. Oh, screw you. Anyway, we are talking <laughs> about one of our favorite characters this week. What house? The lovely, beautiful Miss Grubbly is Plank is was in Hogwarts. Professor Grubbly Plank. And there's loads to go on this. That's why we have five people to discuss it this week because <laughs> it's going to take well, a lot. We should all go around in, in our initial reactions. Why don't you start, John? Why don't I start? Oh gosh. Um, because well, you I do. So I do. Everybody said I've not made a secret of this. Grubbly Plank. I have a very soft spot in my heart for her. Um. Grubbly Plank is most certainly a Hufflepuff. Yep, I agree. Shock. <laughs> okay, yeah, Miss Grubbly Plank. Can I say for the first time ever, the first time ever on Counting Conundrums, I do <gasps> not care. What? Melissa! No, you have to care. Grubbly Plank could be in any house, and I would love her just as much. Aww. Okay, that's a different way you of can. saying it. If you don't care... Saying that you don't care is different. No, that's crap. I, I would hate her if she was I, like... I, what? Frack has, hot, half Frack has strong opinions. I want to hear him. I think she's Gryffindor. Preach it. She did work hard on her topic. Okay. She is a pretty tough teacher. Newer stuff. And she like <laughs> she makes people... like She doesn't let them slack off. And sure. to deal with all these random magical beasts and creatures that are semi-dangerous, mm-hmm. you have to be pretty bold and brave to do that. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. I think she's a Gryffindor. Yeah. But wouldn't that be Ravenclaw, though? No, no. We know that we, you know, the kid, the kids actually thought she was a better teacher than Hagrid, which is a which, huge surprise because Hagrid was such a competent teacher. Had we not been reading the story through Harry's eyes, 
Wait, but all the kids liked her class better than Hagrid's. Yeah, they actually learned things. So her lesson plan was better. It wasn't. But what does that? Well, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna side, I'm gonna side with um with John on this one because I think that she's like that teacher. Like Hagrid tried to make it big and bold and exciting yeah. in his class. She's that teacher that sticks really hard to the lesson plan. You learn a lot, but it's not that exciting. You know exactly what teacher I'm talking about, Professor Benz. I just think she's a competent Gryffindor. Not, not Ravenclaw? See, I, was, I would say Gryffindor, and if not Gryffindor, Ravenclaw, because of the, the, what you said. Right, because there's more work went into them, is what I'm saying. Oh, that's true. Because instead of just trying to make a splash and make the big, the big that's what Hagrid tries to do. He tries to show them the, 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 the hippogriffs, the thestrals. She just wants to get the most information in there and toils at it, and I think that's more of a Hufflepuff quality. There's plenty of you can enjoy about it. It's like a lot of the stuff no. that they use in it, that like from the animals is used in the no. world. I don't see anything particularly clever about her. Oh, burn. <laughs> oh, and I don't think the whole topic, the whole subject of magical creatures is particularly Ravenclaw. I don't think the Ravenclaws really enjoyed that um that class. I mean, none of them took it after Newt level. I guess I think when I think of Ravenclaw, I think scholarly Probably. Yeah, very very scholarly. And- or it takes natural natural intelligence to deal with it, and I think that you can be a not very naturally intelligent person and still do very well if you work hard at it. Like at Hagrid, the, at the for Christ's sake. <laughs> yeah. Hagrid. Think about it. Think about it. Nobody. Um, think about who took care of magical creatures after you know for for a new class and how how bummed Hagrid was. Like, you don't take my class anymore, and they were Gryffindors, and they weren't even particularly. You know, brainy, but they had ambitions, and you know, you don't need care magical creatures to become like an aura or anything. I mean, which which professions require magical creatures? Okay, so what do you think, Grubbly Plank? Well, I mean, I think if it, I just thought of her as more of an earthy, down to no nonsense kind of, just you know, like Melissa was saying, you know, just hard work, you just do it, you just get in there, and you do it, and that just seems like a very practical, totally down approach, down and that just business. strikes me as a as like a Hufflepuff characteristic, you know. I just think that she's just, you know, I can see that. Um, I don't think it has to do with attention attention of intelligence because clearly you have to know your animals and your different. And you have to be able to study the differences and be able to impart that knowledge to your students. But I just she struck me as a Hufflepuff. What do you think of her being sexist? <laughs> she was blatantly sexist against the boys in the, in the class for the for the unicorn lesson. She was a little sexist. Is that a Hufflepuff uh, quality? I don't know if it's a Hufflepuff call, quality. I just think she's being practical because girls are mer- are just it's. Well, that's just well, about unicorns. Classical unicorn mythology. I like Grebly Plank, and I think she's Gryffindor, but whatever. All right. Um, I wanted to address. I didn't. I didn't mean to. Th- I wasn't saying that people that 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 it, that she's not intelligent. I mean, there's like a certain there's a it, it's different to be smart and whatever and 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 when you do your work, have it have to rely on a kind of intelligence that that you you have to be gifted with. It's different. To have to to work at it and be smart and work on it. It's different between her. It's a difference between Hermione's kind of magic and Ginny's kind of magic. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, there's a difference of intelligence and cleverness. Okay, sorry, just want to clear that up. Yes, it's a good, very good distinction. I just want to say that I completely forgot who she was until about three seconds ago. Well, we don't need you to admit that because now you can't go on the rest of the show. We're gonna have to kick you out. Okay, what do you think? What house? Uh, you know, I I don't know. I'm I'm, I'm it's kind of hard. 
Yeah. We don't really have much canon to go on. Yeah, she, we don't we don't have much canon about her. That's that's totally true. We don't have much canon, but, but right. I think considering we know a that she's sexist against boys. Excuse me. Mm-hmm. B. Now, John, John, John. Classic, classic Excuse unicorn me, mythology has to do with purity and other things. So yeah. you know, <laughs> there was the whole thing of, of yeah. Of, classic mythology only uh, ver- uh, female virgins could see a unicorn. Right. You know, no, not, not only that, but then why introduce that to a co-ed class? She did. She said they're just they like girls better. They got the guy. The boys got to be <laughs> there. All. Yeah, they get to do anything. They it got to pretty much sit it. on their hands. Why didn't she bring like an animal that only boys like, like sirens or something? Because Hagrid has that covered. Like what'd you say? Yeah, for real. I mean, if we're being stereotypical, Hagrid kind of got that cover- covered with the yeah the big the, crazy with angry the, thing but with Buckbeak and yeah. Buckbeak loves girls. Buckbeak's Mac That's Daddy, true. you know, hippogriff. What? What? Are you kidding me? What? He, he's always taking the girls for a ride around the Hogwarts. He does. Find page. Find the page number, please. Now. This isn't a page number. This is Joe oh. John. Okay, <laughs> I think we're out of we're out of discussion on this topic. Well, I am a firm believer uh, that she's Gryffindor. Is not. No. So, Griffin. I'm thinking Hufflepuff. Hard worker. Knows her stuff. She gets to the point. I'm leaning Hufflepuff way too. I'm with Hufflepuff. Dang it! Everyone, everyone's against me. The world's against me. <laughs> we're, we're ganging up. Now, when we ask Joe, she's going to be like Gryffindor, and I'm going to be like, ah! Well, mark it on the list my of name. clarification house characters for for Miss Joe, and uh, let's shuffle on off to something else a little more uh, uh, timely, academic. Yes. Ah, oh, mail's here. Bit early for mail, isn't it? But I, I never get mail. Let's open it. Mail's here. Mail time. Oh, great! Thanks. Here's the mail. Welcome to the mailbag. Yay! We're here at the mailbag. They do listen to Pottercast. Frack, my, my son I loves you right now. I do listen to Pottercast, guys. I love Blue's Clues Mail <laughs> Okay. Well, last week, we asked you guys to send us in some voicemails. Um, uh, last week's show was pretty much all about the trial of uh, Miss Joe WB versus RDR and uh, related issues. And um, we have some voicemails. We got quite a few. We're not going to be able to play all of them because we don't want a second straight week of this nonsense. But um, let me pull up one uh, right now and uh, give it a go. Hey, guys. This is Allie, a.k.a. Molly Wobble from the Leaky Lounge. In terms of fair use, how important is it for Joe's lawyers to prove that the lexicon could hurt Joe's profits in terms of either the Scottish book or her novels? Um, Also, is it possible that the judge could ignore the fact that Joe is so popular and so many people buy her books and instead focus his decision on whether or not this case will set a precedent for smaller, lesser known, less profitable copyright holders? All right. Thanks, guys. Bye. Well, there's one one real big misconception I want to clear up right away. Um, it's not at all incumbent upon J.K. Rowling's lawyers to prove that the book is not fair use. It's incumbent upon the defense to prove that it is fair use. It's a huge difference. It's a, it's it's called an affirmative defense. They're saying that that yes, it infringes, but 
there's a legal reason for it to infringe. That's what it's like saying, like, it's like to put it in the most obvious example. It's like, yes, I killed him, but in self-defense, mm. that's what an affirmative defense is. So yeah. the defense has to prove it. J.K. Rowling's lawyers have to prove nothing. So just to get that out there. And do we think that the judge will will look beyond this case in reaching his decision and consider the lingering effects a possible president would set? The judge, though, I mean, officially he's not supposed to. I don't think, but I think in, maybe it'll be in his in his head. But I don't. I don't think. I think he has to just consider this specific case. Yeah, I mean, he seems to be considering, you know. The future, at least as far as when he was talking about how long the the appeals to this case could take, and uh, in, in his urging for for settlements um, early on, but yeah, I mean, I think he has to only consider the merits of this case. And hell, I mean, when you think about the the song and dance they go through to, you know, object to even you know this page and that page as far as what he does and doesn't take into consideration through the course of what's presented in the trial that, you know, to suggest he might be thinking of things completely um, un, unrelated, undirectly well, related. But, but it's... The question, the, the core question is, is this book fair use? The defense has to prove it. If they have not proved it, then the judge has to say that, that no, you know, this... this you know, it's not fair use. Mm-hmm. Um, the question about the profits, didn't she ask how important it was? Yeah. I, I think nobody thinks that's a primary component of the, of, of the plaintiff's complaints. Everybody, you know, nobody yeah. thinks that, that that's central. Central is whether the amount is whether it's a, a book of fair use. So. Yep. Okay. I think the only like viable reason, like, the profit would be an issue is typically from my understanding, she, when she publishes these satellite books, she ties it to some sort of charity and with the other book that wouldn't happen. I would believe. Right. I mean, I think it's personal for her and she certainly brought it up as, as from a personal perspective. I mean, I think that she, yeah. that she gives her, you know, or the, the profits from her books to charity. And I, I don't think she's actively, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's not, it's not part of the legal defense. It's not part of the legal argument. No, it, I mean it is. It is. It is part. It's part of the documents that that potential harm to the market and that she's planning to do it. It might take money away from the charities, and that's. But that's not. <laughs> that's not why they went to trial. It's part of it. But I think when you're preparing a legal brief, you just you you find everything possible and you put it in. You know. Oh, and it might affect sales. Oh, and it might hurt my feelings. Oh, and it might. You know. You put everything, and, that, and both sides have done that. Try another one here. This is from somebody named uh, Tyra. Hey guys, my name is Tyra. I've been a huge Harry Potter fan for years, and I have a decent question for you about the trial. It's a bit long, I apologize, but it kind of concerns me a lot. What I want to know is what will happen if Joe, and more importantly, Warner Brothers wins the case. On Joe's side, she's obviously going to get to protect her copyright, which is a good thing. But Warner Brothers has a history of taking their ownership of everything Harry Potter to an extreme level in some cases, I think you might be able to say. It was said in the podcast that Steve's book was 91% Joe's work with no quotations or citations at all. 
So if Warner Brothers wins, what will happen to other supposed fan works and fan sites and all the fan art out there? I can totally see Warner Brothers going around to all the other fan websites and telling them they aren't allowed to operate anymore, simply because they use Joe's work without any quotations. Will sites be able to get around that by having a copyright notice at the bottom of the page? Or will any Harry Potter-themed website have to shut down? I'm a little ill-informed on copyright law and that sort of thing, so I'm not quite sure what's going to happen. Um, been there, done that? I mean, I mean, I think Warner Brothers learned their lesson the first time around. and you know, The fans certainly aren't going to tolerate anything yep. remotely like that. I don't, I don't think Joe would either. Well, well let's, let's clarify so in case people don't remember. There was a, in 2001, right after Warner Brothers got the rights or were moving towards the first movie, um, they, they made a big error and didn't, didn't mm-hmm. really realize, didn't really understand what their fandom was now. And whereas in the past they would send a cease and desist letter to a website using the trademarks and using whatever, they weren't prepared for 13 year olds running websites and they started sending cease and desist letters and very legally speak to, to, to 13 year olds. And the 13 year olds were scared. They thought they were going to go to prison, you know, and one of them went to, um, went to the press and it became a big thing. Heather Lover got involved. It started a thing called Potter War. And basically, um, they, they called them out on it. They, they, they brought it to the press. It was terrible PR. And almost yeah. immediately, almost immediately, Warner Brothers backed up. Whatever. It's like a, it's like a, it's like a, the screeching of tires. They backed cancel, up. Cancel, 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 cancel. <laughs> They backed up and they said, whoa, whoa, okay, okay, sorry, we are bad. <laughs> Just and they said so in those exact words, we made a mistake, you know? So, and from that, and honestly, everything swung the other way right after that thing. They just totally started including the fans. And to take this case, which has been so highly publicized, and use it as an excuse to tar- start tearing down websites would be that all over again. And I really think that's not where they want to go. Yeah. Oh, it'd be tenfold worse given the huge, I mean, you know, Harry Potter is at extraordinary popularity. I mean, it would just be uh, uh, financial from a financial point of view because revolt would just be enormous. I mean, it's a billion dollar yeah. industry that, that they have right now and they're not going to jeopardize that. They just, they're not. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Yeah. And, and I mean, it, the, the whole transcripts to the whole case are out there right now. And obviously you can't expect you know the casual reader or fan to go sit through and, and and read them which is which is you know why you know we're happy to be able to talk about it here but but in in the transcript and in Joe's testimony she's talked about you know how much she she does enjoy the fact that there's a thriving online community and how it's just a giant pretty much book club on a massive scale mm-hmm. and you know how she has acknowledged fan activity. Everybody knows about this with the fan side awards and this and that. So, you know, a win on this on on her side or on Warner Brothers' side isn't going to be like, oh, we have all this power now. Let's go and you know throw the Mister Hammer on everybody and, um, and shut more <laughs> and people down. Let's be clear. This case is very specifically about a book. They've said over and over again, there's, we, are, we are not objecting to the website. So I don't know that they would have any legal standing to do that because this case is about a book, a yeah. case, you know, and they've already settled the, the trademark infringement portion of it, which almost excludes Warner Brothers from the rest of it anyway. They're only involved as much as their trademarks are involved. That's and if that part right, of the yeah. case is settled, then that's done. 
And that that again was 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 using the words Harry Potter on the cover or something, or using Harry their Potter, J.K. Rowling using endorsement of the site for the book. They they clear all that up, and the RDR is not going to do it if the book gets published. Yeah. Cool. All right. Um, try another one here. Hi, Pottercast. This is Ethan. Last week, you mentioned that the t- court transcripts will eventually be released to the public. I was wondering how that works exactly. Can we get them online? Um, how long does that usually take, if you guys know? Um, just that's my question. Thanks. Um, yeah, we have them on our website, don't we, Melissa? We have links to all three of them. Yeah. We have links. The, the coverage of this case has been so scattered. It's I don't blame anybody for not being able to inform themselves of it. That I think what's going to be best served for the website for the fans uh, is that we make an info page where you can we'll provide you with links to the transcripts, links to the court documents, links to the things that are most important for you to understand, read to understand the the case. Because there has been a astounding misunderstanding of this case in the public uh, arena. So keep an eye out. Are the links to that in our um, in our coverage page? That little pic- picture link of uh, of Joe on Lake Houston. That picture page? link. That picture link is a is a link to our category archive of all these stories. So anything that gets filed under a certain category goes you know goes on that page. I would rather uh, eventually, and they are in there. They're, if you look on the news items on the little, the, there's a graphic on the top right of Leaky that has a picture of J.K. Rowling and it, it says coverage of the trial. You click that. And there's all our news stories. There's so many that the, the transcript link might might have gotten bumped down. So um, keep an eye out. We'll we'll make it that more readily available. Can you just put it in the yeah. show notes? <laughs> Those are always handy, that. aren't they, Sam? <laughs> sure. <laughs> oh, I mean, I, I think I think at this point there's been so many, so much said and so much written that the fans need one link that they can pass around to each other and say, read about the case here. You know. Read it. There, there's a lot of just missing. In the articles, are, it's so hard to tell what's fact and what's not. So it'll be interesting to see if. Yeah, I've never been. I don't analysis. think I've ever been as disappointed in journalists as I've been as watching them cover this trial, this this case, because they have just ignored. They just not even bothered to read anything, and then they make conclusions based on that, which is so irresponsible. It's terrible. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, I honestly, I um. Before the trial, I I didn't really know what to expect. Like I I couldn't picture seeing you know big CNNs and Fox News like doing up big stories about this. It just seemed like hey, this is just our little world here, our little Harry Potter fandom. But it's like they did, and they went way half assed about it. Is it right? It's like well, they all it's like they all carried the AP article and maybe did a little bit of extra editing. And there and then relied on editorial yeah. staff to do the rest and blow it all out of proportion. Yeah. I mean, what do they figure? It's like this big joke or something? It's like they're not really grasping what what this case could mean. And um, ugh, I don't know. Actually, I think we had a mailbag question about the media. Um, let me try to find it. Hello, I'm CBM from The Lounge. Melissa, thank you for your wonderful coverage so far. You've done a great job covering this. I can't wait to see your book. I have a question about other news media. Could the media's willful coverage of this be caused by their need to seem objective? And again, thank you for your great coverage. If that's why they've covered it the way they've covered it, then I'm going to send them all some dictionaries um, with tabs under uh, the objective. word objective. Um, it doesn't mean objective as in No, here's what opinion. here's what's happened objective with the media. 
Factual. The media, because of the blog culture, the 24-hour cycle of news, the if the impossibility of being the first person to the story, it means they keep trying to be the first person to the story, and so they run they run something really fast, and they get it online, and they get it up, and it's the, the most surface level base thing that they could do in that time period where they don't realize that everybody would be much better served if you know do that story do that fast story but then say for you know it's it's a responsibility to say for a a a better look at this a more informed look an analyzed look we we've read everything we've gone through everything go on our website at least provide that at least have somebody looking uh, at it in more of a cursory yeah. J.K. Rowling cried, Steve Van Der Ar cried, RDR publishers. This, uh, it's, it's, it's disgust. I'm sorry. I'm going to go on a little rant here. It is completely abhorrent and disgusting to me that, that there have been maybe two journalists in this whole thing that I can identify and prove just from what they've written that they've read a court document. Every time you see a headline that says Rowling Sue's fan, you know that person has never read one court document. Because on top of every court document it says exactly who was suing who and Steve Van Der Ark is not in that in that document. So it's it's been like a constant cycle of disappointment. So I think that they're what they're trying to do is get it out there fast, get it out there flashy. Yeah. I I just, I, I just wish. I yeah, mean, I just wish they'd take a minute, and it, it doesn't mean they have to agree with one specific side. Just take a minute and prove that you've done some work. You know. But the, but the problem quality is, this is an overall quantity. symptom of you know media of, of traditional news media trying to keep up with with blogging, and the problem you're going to run into is they're not properly, you know, they're not properly contextualizing. They're not kind of saying. Okay, this is opinion. No, 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 that's not even what I'm talking about. I mean, some some of them, they look like opinion. What I'm talking about is is when they say things like Rolling Sue's fan or when they say things like... um, um, like Entertainment Weekly. Oh boy, Entertainment Weekly. They said something like, if if they win, it could set a dangerous precedent when they start where all books, (sighs) including like The Idiot's Guide to Harry Potter, would be, you know, whatever. Which is so, it's so, which is such a classic example. Because if they had done any work and read anything about the court case, they would have known that one of those books was cited as an example of a book that they are fine with. And they could not have written that paragraph that way. So it's proof that they have not done their homework. And then it's, it's when it's masquerading as, you know, people read stuff that journalists say and think that that person is fully informed and then wrote the article. And, and that's, and that's all the no, editorials that are coming are, out of the woodwork but, saying, okay, those are editorials. Oh, you know, they're, is... they're editor- I'm talking about the stuff that is news articles and, and, and they, ha- and they clearly haven't read. And like people say, well, oh, there's, there's thousands of documents. How do you read it all? And I, 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 I don't feel bad. You want to be a reporter. Being a reporter is taking large, complex issues and reporting on them with the most factual way you possibly can in the space you're given. And the shorter the article is, the more work you're going to have to do to make that article good. It doesn't mean you get to do less work. And it's, 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 it's completely, it's, it's infuriating. I, I have spent so many, so many nights in my newspaper there till four o'clock in the morning, pushing the outer limits of the worst, the latest deadline I could get because there was so much to read. It doesn't mean you go home and you just throw up your hands, you have to understand it to write about it. And it's really, it's so infuriating. I'm sorry, mm-hmm. I'm just... It makes yeah. me think about... I, I, I think the point it's, I was... It's, just, no, it's, it's an insult, it's a blot on people who actually try to oh. do that real work, you know? You think it's a reflection of... That's very Ravenclaw. The priority well, that I think the, the newspapers and the media are putting on the case, that they're not 
more concerned with the quality of the reports on this? Yep. I don't. I don't. I. I. I think it's just a sad statement on media in in total because they do this. It's not. This is not just this case. This is why it's partly so galling. Yeah. It's not just this case. Yep. It's, it's everything. Isolated. They do it like this with yep. everything. And I think the point I, I was trying to make was was not so much about the editorials, but the fact that people are looking to these news oh, articles yeah. for yeah. their well for for what's going on, and then they're going ahead, and everybody's coming out of the you know every important person who needs some press or many are coming out of the woodwork, you know, you know, stating their opinion, and they've only read the news oh, yeah, articles. Oh there's a, there's which a person in my family the whole who, story. <laughs> he just you know he re- he heard something on CNN for two minutes. And he's formulated this very loud opinion and he just starts going on and on and on. And I just looked at him and said, we cannot even engage in this conversation because there are so many inaccuracies in what you're saying that if I start to explain them all to you, I'll be here for two hours. So we're just not going to talk about this, (laughs) you know? So anyway, it's it's not even about this case why I'm so angry. It's just, it's, 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 it's imagine, imagine you are, you are, you are, you try so hard to be good at your job. And everybody else is just where you are in your job, but they don't even try a quarter, you know, and how, how galling that is, you know? Oh, anyway, I'm sorry. Girl. Yes, yes. I'm, right, I'm just letting knows. you go because she's just saying it better than I ever could. So I'm just, I, I totally okay. understand what you mean. <laughs> yes. <laughs> don't you love her? <laughs> you know, I mean, thank you, Sue. I, I can't, you know, what are the things I'm like? Because I'm trying to go to school and, and finish, you know, I don't like, would like to teach and instruct, you know, kids, you know. So when I came out, I used to think that journalism was the thing. I took such pride in what I wanted to be. And now, you know, and, and mm-hmm. like I was agonizing, like the Britney Spears becomes the top story. And yet they go to people like Perez Hilton as as the credible oh, source. God, and I'm I like, know. you know, folks, what, where are we going in our society? But OK, I digress. Never mind. <laughs> oh, it's infotainment. You know, I, I, I hate it. Ugh. I believe well, there is I, I some think, sort of oversight oh, committee for journalists in Britain. I'm not sure if I'm right on this. Somebody correct me on this if I'm wrong. I really wish we had that here. But you got to have a license. Agreed. I think you have to have a license in Britain to be a journalist. I'm not sure if I'm right. Well, I mean, you probably, you know, as soon as the government starts controlling the press, then the they have something I know. different. I, I know. It's just, well, it's well what about a bar association for journalists? They should do that for I mean, yeah. get disbarred well. and you can't practice self governing. You know. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, there's, there's, right. well, I wish. I wish we were heading towards something like that that didn't get the government involved. Well, what it, the, the big problem is. There, there's, you know, by the time you go back and, and correct all this stuff, if they even bo- if you even bother to do this fact checking, it's and over. It's People form their opinion. That first, you can't that first, go- that first story is so important, and so it's so the the absolute wrong thing to do to make that first mm-hmm. story the least informed one. Because exactly it's the only right. one people hear. They don't exactly. listen to a second story the second time. Yeah. Uh, what do you, I mean, you, you think uh, would it be helpful just to uh, have a distinction between? You know what news media is is uh, out out to do. Like you have this network likes to take the news. Like the only only people who actually really um, are clear about their objectives when they report the news is freaking the Daily Show. They they out there they to be funny fun about it, you know. They make no qualms about trying to be taken seriously. And then you have you know your your Fox Newses and your other cable networks that sensationalize everything. Like it's so. <laughs> But claim to be, you know, as as journalists. Yeah, and we have to, and, you know, integrity. We have to hear about and, Britney Spears and you know Paris and all this crap yeah. all the time. 
it, this is this isn't news. But you know, it, whose fault is this? Is this the the news media's fault, or is it? No, it's ours. Is it because we continue America? to buy it and is to it watch it? Yep. Because exactly. something like that gets high ratings, and they have to do it again because it gets high ratings. Exactly. So it's 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 a, it's, a, it's a feeding cycle, but it's voting with uh, our eyes. Oh, let's yep. do another question before yeah. I explode. Uh, yep. yeah. <laughs> All right, here's an interesting one, I think. Hello, it's iHeart Professor Snape here calling from central Wisconsin. And my question for you guys is, what do you think the biggest oh my goodness moment was while you were sitting there watching the trial take place? And I have a second question. Did you guys ever think of maybe declaring shenanigans on the trial just to see what would have happened? I don't know. <laughs> Might have been kind of funny. I loved it when Mr. Hammer took his shirt off when he was no, pissed off. John! Okay, didn't Mr. Hammer. <laughs> oh, God, this is so inappropriate. <laughs> that would have been hugely OMG. Uh, but, OMG. no. Let me think. Besides every time that uh, RDR got some term wrong, that was... That was annoying. Licorice Factory was pretty funny. Yeah. yeah, I think we said it even last week that when the entire front two rows, which was... Oh, that's what it was. That's what it was. Somebody asked on the... I'm sorry. <laughs> somebody, I don't know if this is the biggest one, but... <laughs> but there was one... Somebody asked on the boards um, who it was that the judge said... Where Mr. Heimer said, can we ask the people to stop uh, responding oh so God. enthusiastically? Yeah. OMG! Yes, it was. It wasn't... It wasn't us, I'll have you know. Yeah. And Joe thought it was us too, and she was wrong. It yeah. wasn't us. It was Scholastic and Neil Blair because, <laughs> which is, which I know, because what happened is that Jerry Johnson, Jerry, no, not Jerry Johnson, so who, what's her name? Sorensen, Dr. Sorensen, yeah. who had said in her declaration and on the stand that she knew that C.S. Lewis and that J.R.R. Tolkien were under copyright oh, yeah. and guides were written about them, who's a professor, professor of 16th and 17th yeah. century <laughs> English literature, Expert witness. tenured for many years with a doctorate. She was asked if Shakespeare was under the public domain, and she said she did not know. This was met with abject horror by the people <laughs> from the publishing company right in front of They were yeah. shaking their heads and all going like, what, what, like, what? And Mr. Hammer turned around and said what's in the transcript, but also said, well, I don't know if they do it that way in England. <laughs> and that's not in the transcript. And of course, there's one English it. person, one person from england was there and yeah but, for uh, real whatever it was gross it was a gross statement to me but but no that that's that was like that was it was kind of funny because it was like nobody could believe it, that of that group they couldn't believe that's what had just been said yeah so that it was just such a visceral where you have to try to be so quiet in court it was just such an automatic reaction <laughs> you know oh mr hammer yeah but I, I don't know him. if that was the biggest omg moment I, I, I fanboy I, Mr. Hammer, to be honest. You would. Um, <laughs> something, I actually wanted to say something last week. Or not. Hammer, don't hurt. <laughs> um, oh, what was continuously OMG for me was the way that RDR constantly contradicted themselves to make their case better. Like, in the beginning, it was, the encyclopedia was an encyclopedia for people that had already read the books. So nothing would be spoiling, and you already know everything's Joe's words, and you read it as an afterthought. But then, when that was um, taking too much and giving too little, quote-unquote, suddenly it was a guide for those who haven't read the books and wanted to read it as they read the books, as if you know they saw a character that they didn't know and they wanted to go back. Yeah. But then, um, Joe's lawyers made the point that if you're using it as a guide and you look up Harry Potter, absolutely everything that happens to Harry, books one through seven, is there. So, like, 
why keep reading well joe made that point yeah joe said when when they talked about well Sorensen said well i got to the end of book one and i i didn't i forgot who filch and peeves were and so i had yeah. to go look them back up which you so, don't forget well but peeves. joe joe made a funny comment she goes well peeves you know he's floating around most of the time so i i, I find it hard to believe you don't remember who he is yeah. and then um <laughs> um and then um peeves they they said, well, like if if that's the case, then first of all, every entry on a character should say where that person first happens in yeah. the, in the entry, which it doesn't. And then they said, and also if that's the case, then when a person, for instance, Sirius Black is mentioned in book one, if a child is reading the book and wants to know more about Sirius Black and turns to the lexicon, he will read the entire yeah. description, including the fact that he dies in book five. Exactly. So it's if like- it's that, if that was the purpose, then that is a that's what's going to happen to that child, you know? That's terrible. Like, think, think about, but think about like, oh, I get so confused about the Weasleys. Let me look up the Weasleys. Oh, look at the Weasley twins. Meanwhile, you're, you're reading like book three or oh, something. No. Like, oh, fun. Yeah, they're twins. They play jokes. Isn't this fun? Oh, wait a second. One of them loses an ear and one of them dies. Holy yeah. crap. That's four books from now. Thanks, guide. I appreciate that. I, you know, what the <laughs> guide? hell? Guide? What up, guide? Jeez. Spoil out. me. Yeah. Should just call yeah. it spoil me. <laughs> exactly. But then when that point was made, it was died. back to being an encyclopedia for those yeah. who have already read it. So, I mean, can we just stick to a point? RDR? There was another um, discrepancy in which at one point during his testimony, Roger Rappaport said about selling the book um, um, abroad while his family was, he said his family was, was ill or the, that he had a death. And he said something like, "Well, you assume you assume that that it's just me who makes the sales. I have a sales staff. I didn't make that sale." And then later on, they said something about the sales staff, and he said, "Well, the sales staff is entirely me. I am the sales staff." It was just like yeah. you just completely <laughs> contradicted right. yourself. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, and when he said he had to stop working for a period of time because he had a death in the family, but then the next day there was an email an produced hour an hour later mm-hmm. to was it Steve to a publisher to somewhere publisher. to. S- Somebody continuing with the book yeah. publishing. So there was a lot of that. I mean, it, but, but this is the nice thing. We have what? Transcripts. The nice thing about go back. Oh, yeah. We have the transcripts and, and people can go back and, and kind of point out that errata. And, but how much of the general public is going to sit through the problem. 24 hours of transcripts? I honestly don't, don't care do how it. much the public does as long as I didn't judge reporters do? or whoever. Come on, I liked the judge. Well, there Honestly, are many. Did. You know, there are many fans who are concerned about uh, about it. Why, you know, why can't somebody, a group of of, of concerned, but, you know, go they were create the references. There were there were high points and low points for each side during the trial. Yeah. we're not saying that 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 each one side won the whole thing. Clearly, I just don't know the what way the judge is thinking. Um, and that that's. You know, but somebody about settlements, I want to make this clear. Somebody said to me that it happens in, and a law student said this to me, happens in every, she was surprised it took him so long to settle, to urge parties to settle. So that judges are always urging parties to settle because, um, they don't like being overturned. And if it's a case that that shows a high probability of appeal, and when you have too large a company and Stanford involved, yes, there's a large chance of appeal. They're, they're, they have a, they could be overturned and they don't like that. One. Two, they don't want cases to drag on forever. It's costly. It's it's useless. It's much better for everybody to settle. And I but I think at this point, only J.K. Rowling only doesn't want the book published as it was. It would take a it would take a complete rewrite. 
And RDR wants to publish the book exactly as it was because to rewrite it would take it so long that it would take it out of the public eye, public eye and it won't be what they, you know. Yep. So, I don't know. I don't know if it can be settled. Hey, Pottercast. This is Tiffany from California. I want to first start by saying I love the Fantastic Four, Fraxicrated edition. Um, miss you when you're gone, John. However, I am calling regarding the trial. I just finished listening to Pottercast 148. And um, like Sue, I've had mixed feelings on it. Uh I've had interactions with Steve in the sense my husband met him, thought he was a really, very intelligent man. But at the same time, I respect Joe. And my question, I kind of have a question and a thought on this, and I'm not sure I think, Melissa, you adjusted at the end, but I'm wondering, is it possible, I'm trying to give Steve an aisle, is it possible that Steve has a contract with this publisher and now he has no way of backing out? I'm hoping, you know, Maybe the publisher says, this is what we wanted to do. This is what we want you to do. And maybe he does want to back out. I'm not sure. I'm hoping maybe he would. I can't think of a Harry Potter fan who would deliberately go against our, um, J.K. Rowling. But I'm just thinking, maybe. Maybe he's he doesn't want to fulfill this, but because he's under contract, he has to. You would know more about this because mostly you're under you know, your own contract, um, I'm really hoping that's what it is, but at the same time, I'm really hoping J.K. Rowling wins this. I hope I made any sense. Again, thanks for all you do. Um, I'm totally a Pottercast listener. I don't have much time for forums, so I don't go on Wiki Culture much except for to get the news at the times. Um, so I really appreciate you doing this hour show on the trial because this is the best information I've got. Thank you, and... Um, Keep up the great work. Bye. His contract is online, and yes, he's made public statements, and you can read those in, the, in, in, in our coverage. And I've said on the on the legal lounge before, and I'll, and I'll say it again. He told me in November that he would rather take down the lexicon than allow this to go to trial and allow this to become what it's become. Um, and he said to Ansible that he was for RDR's action, and said to Blog Hogwarts that he was for RDR's action. Um, but I know, I understand, I understand the urge not to want to believe, um, want to, wanting to believe that it's just a contract, but he has made public statements otherwise. I mean, who would want this? Who would wish this upon, upon themselves? Obviously, but he's upset about what's happened. Along with, well, Tiffany, what's her name? I think yeah, so. They, no fan would want to believe that another fan would go this far, but... I mean, I guess you can't trust everybody. I mean, I'm not vocalizing an opinion. I just mean, you know, not everybody is as good as you hope they are. I'm not going to comment. Yeah. But, uh, All right, let's finish this, please. No, no hard a answers bit. here. Yeah. All right, let's stick around for the drums. All right, well, thanks for mailbag. Thanks for your emails, everyone, and your calls and stuff. And we're sorry we didn't get to everybody's. But Yeah. 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 Talk about this for years. Yeah. Bye. Here's the mail, it never fails. It makes me wanna wag my tail. When it comes, I wanna wail. Welcome to Scribby 5, the five-minute podcast of the Leaky Cauldron's premier essay project, Scribulus. I am Linda, or Mosaic on the Boards, and with me today I have Aaron, better known as Calpheus. Hello. And Beth, a.k.a. Looney Love. Hey, guys. So what are we talking about today, ladies? 
Well, today we're talking about an article from my favorite magazine, The Quibbler. Yay! Ugh. What's wrong with you, Linda? Don't you like The Quibbler? It's entertaining enough, but I thought we were supposed to be discussing serious matters here on Scribby 5. Everyone knows The Quibbler is full of nonsense and whacked-out conspiracies. Oh, come on, Linda. That hardly seems fair to me. Have you ever once in your life seen a Nargle? Well, no, but honestly, there are loads of things I've never seen, and that doesn't mean they don't exist, Linda. Today's article explains it all very clearly. It even deals somewhat with Nargles, as a matter of fact. We're talking about Monsters at Hogwarts, Closer Than You Think, written by none other than the great Xenophilius Lovegood. Oh, Linda, it's fantastic. You may not agree with some of old Zeno's ideas, but you can't deny he makes some good points. No, Beth, I think I can. Anyway, in Monsters at Hogwarts, he writes that British witches and wizards need to be careful. There's a monster at Hogwarts. Wait, okay, Filch is unpleasant, but I would hardly call him a monster. Oh, Linda, he's not talking about Argus Filch. He's talking about Professor Sinistra. The astronomy professor? Yes, think about it. What do we know about her? Well, nothing really. Exactly. In all seven books, we never learn a single thing about her, except that she teaches astronomy. That's not terribly convincing, Erin. Oh, but this is. Do you know what her first name is? Aurora. That means goddess of the dawn. Oh yeah, that's real convincing, Beth. Come on, why would a vampire be named after the goddess of the dawn? To throw you off her track. And what about Sinistra? Sounds a little too similar to Sinister to me. And Zeno thinks so too. He says that Sinistra is obviously making a twisted play on words. And he cites Clarence Short, a Ministry of Magic Latin expert, who said that Sinistra means wrong, perverse, or improper. A Latin expert? Is that even necessary? I mean, it isn't as though someone out there is going around conveniently labeling all the evil people for us. Oh my, my, Linda. You know, I didn't know your soul was as dry as the pages of a book. But there is more. Don't forget that Sinistra teaches astronomy, the only class taught completely at night. And she doesn't even teach it right. Zeno says that his daughter Luna comes home every summer saying she didn't learn a thing about astrological houses or how to protect oneself against their negative effects. Well, I hardly think that should be in the Hogwarts curriculum, Erin. And didn't you say this had something to do with Nargles? Nargles and vampires are mortal enemies. Oh, are they? And don't you think it's a little funny that no one ever talks about astronomy? Well... Yeah, that is kind of weird. You'd think there would be some mention. I don't remember anyone talking about a test in there, even. Maybe she's brainwashing students with her weirdo vampire voodoo powers. But what would she eat? Vampires have to drink blood. Exactly, Linda. Exactly. Okay, it's possible. But I really don't think that Professor Sinistra is a vampire. All right. But don't say Zeno didn't warn you. I know I'll be sporting my garlic lined moccasins the next time I visit Hogwarts. You heard what Charlie Weasley told us last time. Vampires are mean. I'm not even going. I'm staying as far away from there as I can. 
Well, that about does it for Scribby 5 this week, everyone. Thanks a lot for listening, despite some of these strange theories. And be sure to read this essay and many other fine essays over at www.scribulous.com. Bye! Lock your doors and windows! Save your children! Ugh. Hey guys, you've been waiting for it, and here it is, the first round of the auditions for the Pottercast acting troupe. And how we're going to do it is we're going to split it up this first round for with two weeks. This week we'll be airing what we felt were the best auditions for adult female roles. And uh, the following week we'll have the younger girl roles as well as the adult male roles um, for you guys to listen to and take a vote on. Uh, I'm going to give each audition a number and uh, speak that in front of each one. And we're just going to play um, the best clip of each audition. And once you hear all of them, you can take a look at Pottercast.com and we'll have a poll for the week. You can vote for your favorite audition from the bunch and we'll take it from there. So, without any further delays, here is the first of the Pottercast acting troupe auditions. Starting with... Audition number one. You there, give me your chair. I'm 107. Another red-headed Weasley cousin jumped off his seat looking alarmed, and Auntie Muriel swung it around with surprising strength and plopped herself down upon it between Doge and Harry. Hello again, Barry, or whatever your name is, she said to Harry. Now what were you saying about Rita Skeetelfius? You know she's written a biography of Dumbledore? Can't wait to read it. I must remember to place an order at Flourish and Blots. Number two. I've been packing for days, so we're ready to leave at a moment's notice, which, for your information, has included doing some pretty difficult magic, not to mention smuggling Mad-Eye's whole stock of polyjuice potion right under Ron's mum's nose. I've also modified my parents' memories so that they're convinced they're really called Wendell and Monica Wilkins and that their life's ambition is to move to Australia, which they have now done. That's to make it more difficult for Voldemort to track them down and interrogate them about me. Or you, because unfortunately I've told them quite a bit about you. Number three. Don't forget to give Neville our love, Ginny told James as she hugged him. Mom, I can't give a professor love. But you know, Neville. James rolled his eyes. Outside, yeah. But at school he's Professor Longbottom, isn't he? I can't walk into herbology and give him love. Shaking his head at his mother's foolishness, he vented his feelings by aiming a kick at Albus. See you later, Al. Watch out for the Thestrals. I thought they were invisible. You said they were invisible. But James merely laughed, permitting his mother to kiss him, gave his father a fleeting hug, and then leapt onto the rapidly filling train. They saw him wave, then sprint away up the corridor to find his friends. Number four. Have a biscuit, Potter. Have what? Have a biscuit. And sit down. Potter, you need to be careful. Misbehaving in Dolores Umbridge's class could cost you more than house points of detention. What do you? Potter, use your common sense. You know where she comes from. You must know to whom she is reporting. It says here she's giving you detention every evening this week, starting tomorrow. Every evening this week? But, Professor, couldn't you? No, I couldn't. But she is your teacher and has every right to give you detention. You will go to her room at five o'clock tomorrow for the first one. Just remember, 
tread carefully around Dolores Umbridge. But I was telling the truth. Voldemort is back. You know he is. Professor Dumbledore knows he is. For heaven's sakes, Potter. Number five. Yeah, said James enthusiastically. I don't mind sharing with Al. Teddy could have my room. No, said Harry firmly. You and Al will share a room only when I want the house demolished. He checked the battered old watch that had once been Fabian Pruitt's. It's nearly eleven. You'd better get on board. Don't forget to give Neville our love, Ginny told James as she hugged him. Mom, I can't give a professor love. But you know Neville, James rolled his eyes. Outside, yeah, but at school he's Professor Longbottom, isn't he? I can't walk into Herbology and give him love. Shaking his head at his mother's foolishness, he invented his feelings by aiming a kick at Albus. See you later, Al. Watch out for the Thestrals. I thought they were invisible. You said they were invisible. Number six. Sirius was horrible to Preacher Harry, and it's no good looking like that. You know it's true. Preacher had been alone for a long time when Sirius came to live here, and he was probably starving for a bit of affection. I'm sure that Miss Sissy and Miss Fallow were perfectly lovely to Preacher when he turned up, so we did them all a favour and told them everything they wanted to know. I've said all along that wizards would pay for how they treat house elves. Well, Voldemort did. And so did Sirius. Gosh, what a gripping story. You must have been simply terrified. Meanwhile, we went to Godric's Hollow, and let's think. What happened there, Harry? Oh, yes. You know who Snake turned up, it nearly killed both of us, and then you know who himself arrived and missed us by about a second. Number seven. And who is this? He said in his soft snake's hiss. Who has volunteered to demonstrate what happens to those who continue to fight when the battle is lost? <laughs> Bellatrix gave a delighted laugh. It is Neville Longbottom, my lord. The boy who has been giving the Caros so much trouble. The son of the Aurors, remember? Ah, yes, I remember, said Voldemort, looking down at Neville, who was struggling back to his feet unarmed and unprotected, standing in the no-man's land between the survivors and the Death Eaters. But you are pure blood, aren't you, my brave boy? Voldemort asked Neville, who stood facing him, his empty hands curled in fists. So what if I am? said Neville loudly. You show spirit and bravery, and you come from noble stock. You will make a very valuable Death Eater. We need your kind, Neville Longbottom. I'll join you when hell freezes over! And finally, for this week, number eight. The Game from Quidditch Marsh. We owe our knowledge of the rude beginnings of Quidditch to the writings of the witch Gertrude Gettle, who lived on the edge of Quidditch Marsh in the 11th century. Fortunately for us, she kept a diary, now in the Museum of Quidditch in London. The excerpts below have been translated from the badly spelled Saxon of the original. Tuesday. Hot. That lot from across the marsh have been at it again, playing a stupid game on their broomsticks. A big leather ball landed in my cabbages. I hexed the man who came for it. I'd like to see him fly with his knees on back to front, the great hairy hog. Tuesday. Wet. Was out on the marsh picking nettles. 
Broomstick idiots playing again. Watch for a bit from behind a rock. They've got a new ball. Throwing it to each other and trying to stick it in trees at either end of the marsh. Pointless rubbish. Okay, guys, that's all for this week. Tune in next week. We will have more auditions, including the younger girl characters and all our guy roles. To vote for who your favorite of this week's is, check out pottercast.com and look at the poll in the middle of the screen. Welcome to the drums. It's the drums. So I want to hear the the Hoggy Hoggy Hogwarts song, Sam. Would you like me to perform it for you? I would. No, no, (laughs) Melissa just gave me this look of shock. (laughs) No, No, I didn't. I said that you should do it. Do what? Record the song. Absolutely not. Come on, Sam. You give everybody a prompt to performance. I request as myself. I don't don't either. Which song is it? What? Wiz Rock is out. Wiz Hop is in. Drop the beat. Let me begin. Was it? House of B, House of Black. One thing we lack is an address on the map. Double O T P G A N G. On the streets are killing. Wait, on the wait. Molly Wall was in the kitchen. On the streets are killing villains. Wait, the one. Drop the beat. I should in your skills like a werewolf's teeth. I'm the secret keeper. Grandma, please. You have to drop the magic It's so bad. Open sesame. Good work, Frack. I know John didn't get to talk for a whole minute. Good work, Frack. <laughs> oh, yeah, let him sing that whole song. This is freaking Filk show. <gasps> oh, please. <laughs> I know. Thank you, Sue. are so sad. Hi, Kettle. You're just jealous because you didn't do a rap, a dollar oh. rap. That'll be your That's challenge. That's right. Preach it, Sue. That's right. <laughs> That's well, right. Well, Sue, I love you. Word. <laughs> Word. Word. Gangster. <laughs> Work it. So what else is going on? So what about this 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 documentary? I wanted to see this. Is, and you guys had a good time in Boston with this? Is this right? A lovely time. They had a Qdoba across the street, which is similar um. to Chipotle. Um, but, but not quite. No, the documentary was, was very well done. Very well done. When is there... Um, do we know if there's going to be an opportunity for, um, you know, average non-traveling yeah. around the country, Harry yeah. Potter fan to they're see these things? They're sending it through film festivals, and they're going to try for limited theatrical runs in certain cities. Maybe um, something over here. And maybe. then it will be available on DVD. Yeah. With extras and commentary. Commentary. And I don't care who does a camera. I don't want to do a commentary. I want Brad Neely to do a commentary. He's so funny. Because that guy, you don't understand. We're hanging out with him afterwards last night. <gasps> And he just spouts brilliance. He just spouts it. He's so funny. I've never seen like, for instance, I, I totally fangirled him. He walked into because we went bowling, and I like I literally I'd never met him, but I'd known him from the movie. So I literally hurled myself over a like table and ran at him, like saying, "Brad, hi, I'm Melissa. I'm in the movie." He's like, "Oh my god, hi." He's like, "But I gotta go pee." So I'm like, "Go pee." <laughs> it's just, but it's That's just such a fangirl thing to do is to like about going to the bathroom. Nice. Well, because it's just such a fangirl <laughs> thing to do is to just like lurch, of, like oh. throw yourself. Because I was just, I have such respect for him because he's so funny. So, I'm, I'm so. not even gonna lie. Moving the way by, by the way, has some language and imagery that maybe parents should be aware of. That so, was pretty funny. Okay. I have a short little story. But whenever Sorry. We okay, Frank, shoot. I have to give a shout out to Patrick from Sunny Hills High School. I was subbing on Wednesday. And I got some random person come up to me when I like it wasn't someone in my class. She just came in because she had an off period, 
And she was like, are you on Pottercast? And I was like... No way! Yes. I'm like, why? <laughs> and it was just... It was the first time that I, one of my students, like when I'm sub, uh, had recognized. Because I guess she had mentioned to her friend, Patrick, the day before, that... that Because I sub for the teacher on a regular basis. Um, mm-hmm. And so she said, oh, that sub that comes and draws a lot is coming. Because I usually draw a picture on the board for them if they're good. Uh. And then... Um, and he said, and they, they, she said, she said my name like Mr. Franco the third or something like that. And then he was like, "What?" And then she told, he told him to ask me. Anyway, it was just really funny. And then at the end of the day, he stopped by and said hi, and I said hi to him. And it was so, so it was really it was a lot of fun. I got a kick out of it, so I just wanted to say hi to him because he cool. was the show. So like your standing as a sub just went up, you know, because a lot of times teacher kids are rough on their subs at school and high school. I know, like Grubby awesome. Plank. Hello. Yeah, that's <laughs> Grubbly Plank. <laughs> nice. Thank you, John. Frank, are you Grubbly Plank? Uh, <laughs> rhymes. Another life. Frankie and Planky, can we call you Planky? No. <gasps> Grubbly Planko? Frankie Plank. Grubbly like Plankton from like, SpongeBob. Oh, yeah. Hello, hello. Plankton, yeah. I love Plankton. The He's teacher the is Mrs. Puff. <laughs> um, well, that's a good show. Also, Frack, do you, know, do you know who we met, Frack? Who? You have to hear this one. We met the girl who did the Pellegrino video. Which one? Who? The first one. The five hours one. And then the, then while we were meeting her, somebody was like, Oh my god, you did the Pellegrino video? So she got fangirled. It was hilarious. It was so what funny. What up, Pellegrino girl? <laughs> Pella, Pellegrino girl. Pella, Pellegrino time. Wow, that's, that's crazy. So I didn't realize she lived out there. She did. She flew yeah, out she here was at for the this. It's such a small, small world. Okay, well, John and I have some book reviewing to do. Uh Uh-oh. What book would that be? We read... I don't know if you've heard of it. The title's (laughs) revealed, right? We read a book called Harry, A History Hmm. by this chick... Not that book. Melinda... Melinda. (laughs) Yanelli. Melinda Yanelli wrote Harry, A History. Annalie. And it's it's a book. Annalie. It's It's quite a book. It's kind of like a book. Oh, it is totally a Thanks, book. guys. This is a beautiful review. <laughs> it's glowing. Right no, it's, it's, it's printed with words. on. It has text. On it has t- <laughs> is that the best we can say what, for it? Is that it has text? I really hope not, <laughs> Okay, but no, for real. Okay, so... Melissa handed in her manuscript on Wednesday. <gasps> we were there for it. We recorded the moment. We hugged. It was beautiful. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> and she printed a copy so John read it on the way to Boston in the car and I read it once in Boston and we're here to spoil the entire thing do it (laughs) book 7 came out last year (gasps) (gasps) there was excitement should we release the epilogue on the internet because there is an epilogue I could I mean I don't I don't quite understand why the, the, the girl character's role in the whole books was muddled down to having you know baby and you know oh i know and how about that twist on page what was it 85 yes 85 was freaking uh, oh my that page is pivotal crazy word and then and then when mushka came in and bit its head off that was oh my so scary oh you guys no chapter five is my favorite would you agree chapter five yeah cut out You guys, we're just being total teases right now. But the book is 
awesome. I can say this without any reservation. I stayed up all through the night to finish it. John falls asleep no matter where he is, sitting up. No, listen to me. In trial, in the car, on the subway, anywhere. This kid is, he's asleep, and I just look at him, and, and I'll, I'll nudge him, and he'll be like, what? And I'm like, you were sleeping, and, and he'll deny it, like, to no end, but anyway. Very rarely does this ever happen. I kept happen. looking, I drove on the way to Boston, because Melissa was up for 40 hours, and needed to sleep, and I kept looking in the rearview mirror, and to my shock and alarm, I'm still awake. <laughs> so, my clearly the book is very good. Yes. I, I told I haven't released in November. I, I haven't read a book like that since last summer when I was sitting there in the basement in, in oh, uh, me and John Chicago. Were, sorry, go ahead. Wherever we were, we were reading our own parts, and it was quiet. And Melissa was sleeping right next to us, so we had the author sleeping, and me and John are yeah. reading. It was quiet. And it was so it was cozy, I'm and sorry. it curled up with a good it was book. So book seven. They were both reading parts. Literally, I was sleeping in the bed, and they. Sam was next to me reading the part like the beginning and John was still, <laughs> towards the end. They're both reading my book and I was like, I'm just going to sleep. I can't deal with this. I can't deal with watching people read it. I can't. But it's so cute though. Every time we, when she was awake, every time we laughed, she's like, what do you have? What do you have? What part? Because you can't do yeah. that. You can't do that. You can't be reading my book and laugh. Uh, and not tell me exactly, exactly <laughs> what you are laughing about. Because, come on, I dare you all to write a book and not react like that. I believe there's a Facebook group y'all should join. Something about I'm okay. waiting for <laughs> enough, the book. Enough with whoring Melissa's book out on Pottercast. We'll do enough of that in the Uh-oh. fall. Yeah. And we're back. So we're, you enjoyed actually, the book, John? Um, yeah, it was freaking. Fr- so the book the was book good. Is awesome. You guys will will I'm love jealous. it. And Melissa, Melissa got too nervous. Maybe Melissa should send an owl with a hard copy out to Southern California. She totally should. I'm thinking. She totally should. But um, <laughs> so with that, of course, we shall wrap up the show. Um, yes, and <laughs> Melissa, had Melissa to go to the and Sam had some technical difficulties. Um, <laughs> a bar yes. attacked their microphone, and so we had. Uh, it was the we had, um, We all ate Indian They're, they're fending tonight, it so. off with their their miracles. Ma- <laughs> it was Nargles. They had mistletoe they're up there, nargles. and I warned them to take that mistletoe away, but they're like, it's not going to happen. And I was like, mm. as your resident nargles Ravenclaw, pictures. I advise not being the exer- expert on Nargles, <laughs> but didn't work yeah. out. So. Yeah. <laughs> wanted to okay. Start. I operated. Oh, Sammy's back. Anyway, that's the end of the show, which means until next time, ladies and gents, we need to keep twiddling those dials. The next password will be finished book. Keep each other safe. Good, Good night. night. We've missed it. W3. I confess myself disappointed. Now, if you don't mind, I'm going to bed. Great, Scott. No wonder. Look at the time. We've been here nearly four hours. Spooky how the time flies when one's having fun. (laughs) 